Welcome to the Teaching Middle School ELA Podcast. We're your hosts, Caitlin Mitchell and Jessica Kanata. If you're looking for ways to bring rigor and engagement to your middle school ELA classroom without sacrificing your nights and weekends, then this podcast is for you. Our goal is to provide you with your weekly dose of tips, tools, and inspiration so you can actually enjoy teaching again. We'll help you bring the fun and creativity to your ELA lessons so that your students master the standards and you can leave school when the bell rings. Get ready to be that teacher you've always wanted to be to do great work and thrive. All right. I am so excited to be talking about writing. Are you so excited? (laughs) I love it. One of my favorite topics, my favorite thing. I think I had a dream the other day about filling out a survey or something. And it was like, what was your favorite thing to teach? And Mm -hmm. I don't know. I like, I just still randomly dream about teaching writing. That's how much I love it. So anyways, I digress. In today's podcast episode, we're going to be talking about filling in the gaps. And this is when some students are ready for essays. And then you have some students who still struggle with sentences, just simple sentences in general. And so you might be this teacher who is in this exact situation, you know, and I'm going to read a couple different scenarios. And I'm curious to see which of these would apply to you in the classroom, because as I read these and as I read them for the podcast episode, as we were going through our notes together, I remember being a freshman English teacher and I had students coming to me from all different schools around the area. And so some students did know how to write a complete multi-paragraph essay beautifully and others could not even put a sentence together. And so if you're a freshman teacher and you're listening to this podcast episode, you know exactly what I'm talking about when you have students from all different schools coming to you with different backgrounds. But this is also happening in our classrooms too, when students have maybe been together for you know five years and they're moving together as a cohort, but you're still seeing these gaps amongst your students as well. So I'm going to walk you through a scenario and I would love for you to kind of picture in your mind, which of these apply to you. Okay. So you put a writing prompt on your board and then you walk around the room to see how your students are doing, right? They're writing in class. So you circle amongst the desk and you find a variety of different things. Maybe six of your students are staring blankly at their paper and they've literally not written a single thing down. They don't know where to start. They don't know how to start. Then you have four over in the corner who are like feverishly writing. They're so excited. They love writing. They're your writers, but they're totally off topic. And you need to stop them like now, like do not let them write anymore because they're just going to go down a rabbit hole. Seven of them have their hands in the air. They're asking for your help, right? Three of them are standing in line to sharpen their pencil. They're trying to avoid. They're your avoiders, right? And then you have two who forgot their books and they can't find the evidence to the essay. So we have all of these students making excuses. And then we have one who like understands the prompt and they quickly write their essay, solid evidence. They're done. And they're like, okay, what can I do, Mrs. Mitchell? it's like, holy cow, what kind of a writing class period just happened, right? What on earth just happened? So your hope of a peaceful writing period where you could just catch up on some grading, do some conferencing with your students, that vanishes. You sigh and you're like, oh, no wonder I hate teaching writing, right? Who wouldn't in that situation hate teaching writing? Totally. So you ask yourself, like, where did it go wrong? And some questions you might consider asking yourself if you've ever been in a situation like Caitlin described, and I'm guessing, you know, all of us have, but you ask yourself, okay, did I actually go over the writing prompt with my students and brainstorm possible relevant evidence that they could use? Did you maybe provide your students with a go-to sentence starter that they could use to begin their essay? 
Did you spend time reviewing a framework with them so they know step-by-step what to include in their essay? Or, and most likely this is the case, did you finish reading the short story or the novel or whatever text it was? Say, okay, my students are good to go. And then put that writing prompt up on the board, telling them that you expect a two paragraph response at the end of the class period. Yeah, I did that in my right? first couple of years teaching. I know you didn't, you've always been an excellent Oh my teacher. gosh, <laughs> that's very kind of new. No, I had to learn my lessons as well. <laughs> but I just remember doing this and I, it wasn't until I was able to like really be okay with criticizing my own abilities that I stepped back and I, I realized I have not served my students well. And I think that there's so much power in that humility and being able to kind of really put ego aside, not ego in the sense of like, you have a full head, but like ego in terms of like self, put self aside and take a step back and be like, huh, how much of that actually applies to me? And so I'd love to ask you how much of what Jessica said perhaps applies to you. And if it does, there's nothing wrong with that at all. This is the first step in making a change that's going to be different for you so that your class isn't struggling with writing so that you don't hate your writing class period. You know, most struggling ELA teachers are so turned off by that chaos that I just described with writing time that they kind of avoid ever actually teaching writing, right? Instead, and perhaps this is you, some teachers stick with just a short answer responses, or they attempt to introduce, you know, a, a writing strategy like race is one of them that we see all the time where students restate, answer, cite, and explain. And maybe they don't even go into depth with it, you know, and it's kind of this like forgotten thing that they sometimes teach and sometimes don't teach. And honestly, many students, many teachers rather will simply tell their students that a writing assignment is due at the end of class and that's it. And we don't have to tell you that that's a broken strategy. I mean, even sitting here saying that out loud again, and I'm sure for you listening to that, it's like, yeah, you know, that's right. Like as hard as that might be to hear like a punch to the gut sometimes, that's kind of the best medicine to, to make a difference. Because even with this strategy, right, you still have students who are ready to go deeper, who are ready to actually analyze the text. And you still have students who can't even restate the question into a complete sentence. You're still going to have those students on those wide ends of the spectrum and everyone in between, right? And who, with a bit more guidance from you as a writing teacher, they can learn to write stronger, more critical essays. They can do it. It's going to come from you perhaps shifting your way of being in the classroom, right? And your way of teaching writing in the classroom. 100%. And so you ask yourself, you know, what's the cost of not doing anything about this? Well, not only do your students not grow as writers, but you continue to assign writing and then you have to grade it knowing before you even begin that the writing is going to be unfocused, hard to follow, and let alone actually contain a strong explanation of evidence. And let's face it, like at this point, you just be happy if your students remembered to indent, like you're so frustrated with writing. So if your goal is to get all your students writing multiple paragraph analytical essays with evidence that actually makes sense and then thorough justification, which like, let's be honest, those are the middle school ELA standards that you have to meet. Well, then you need a game plan to meet all your students where they are and help them grow as writers. And it takes consistency. You have to be willing to put in the time to try something different and then be okay with it not working perfectly. The first, second, or even third lesson. But knowing that progress is happening and you're not only closing the gap, but propelling students forward. 
So today we're sharing a tried and true strategy that you can use in your classroom to help bridge the gap. This is something Caitlin and I both did with our students. It's something our EB teachers do. And I'm just so excited for you to implement this strategy. Yeah. And it's something that we go into much more depth on inside our EB writing program. And that's our comprehensive writing program that covers all of the different writing styles from evidence-based writing, right? Which is like the foundation of everything to narratives and then persuasive, argumentative, expository, what have you. And so I want you to think too, you know, before we talk to you about these strategies, because I think a lot of it is too around like our own mindset, like our internal work that we get to do as teachers that then impacts our external work with our students. And so I want you to imagine, you know, what would it do for you, for your teaching, for your life, if you could just easily pick engaging in rigorous writing lessons to use with your students. You're like, Oh, that's going to work. That's going to work. Right. And imagine if you could step into every single class every single day, and you just know that you're going to rock your writing lessons. The concepts are just going to click with your students. Essays that are submitted are focused. They're clear, which guess what makes it easy to grade which makes grading so much faster for you as their teacher. And so imagine if your students had suddenly the top writing scores in the district, right? And that is a true story for so many of our EB writing program members. And so imagine if you were actually excited to teach writing. Imagine that if you like walked into class, you're like, I love teaching writing. Like you got to be, you know, kind of like Jessica and I are when it comes to teaching writing, it's our favorite thing. Imagine how much faster you would grow as a writing teacher and your students as writers when you're surrounded by thousands of other middle school ELA teachers who are doing the exact same thing as you and everyone is shared, right? We all celebrate each other. How much faster do you think that you'll grow and your students will improve? And our members in the EB writing program tell us that our program, our philosophy, our approach to teaching writing, it's really the most comprehensive program for learning how to actually teach writing. And so if you're ready to finally have a grasp on your writing instruction, we'd love for you to join the wait list for our EB writing program. We'll be opening the doors this summer. So you can go to ebacademics.com forward slash writing wait list. And beyond just joining the wait list for the EB writing program or joining the EB writing program, if you do end up deciding to do that, I do want you to think about just how that shift in mentality would impact your life. If you just said to yourself, and I'll give you an interesting example, you just said to yourself, I love teaching writing, even if you don't, right? Just tell yourself that lie until you start enjoying it. And I'll, I'll give you a, a very silly example. I've been sick and I don't know if you guys can tell in my voice, but I've had a cold for the last couple of days and I hate taking DayQuil and NyQuil. It just is disgusting, right? The flavor, it just makes my skin crawl and I hate it. And so every time before I've been taking it at night or whatever throughout the day, I've been telling myself, I love taking DayQuil. This tastes delicious. Like I'm trying to like retrain my brain to not sit there for five minutes staring at it, trying to convince myself to take my NyQuil and my DayQuil. And it started working. And the past couple of days, I've just been like pouring it in and taking the DayQuil and the NyQuil and moving on with my day as opposed to it being like this whole situation, right? So it's simple to tell ourselves, I love writing. And eventually you will start to love teaching writing as well. So just a little tidbit of information. I love it, Caitlin, because I'm like dying listening to this because we are the same person. And I am also taking DayQuil and NyQuil right now. And last night I had to take the NyQuil and it is no joke, eucalyptus flavor. I'm like, what the heck? Like that is disgusting. (laughs) And it's green and I'm taking it. And my oldest son is like, what is wrong with you? Cause I'm just like, eh, eh, eh. so I'm going to try it tonight. I'm going to say, this is delicious. And it's helping me. Yes. I it was so you know funny. Goes. I please tell me because Bob heard me saying that he's like, who likes Dayquil? I'm like, no, no, I'm telling myself this so that I actually enjoy <laughs> drinking it. Oh my God. Too funny. I love okay. It. So back to writing. 
So we're about to show you how your struggling writers can use a proven template to write better essays that actually make sense. And then your advanced writers can challenge themselves to write even more analytical essays. It is like game changer with this. So when this happens, right, you receive stronger, well-focused essays. They're easier to grade. Your students can focus on the actual analysis of the text since they know how to tackle the writing itself. That is huge. No longer are they struggling with, is this a complete sentence? I don't know if I need a comma here. No, they're focused on analyzing, using concrete evidence and justifying their thoughts. Like that's what we want them to do. So most struggling ELA teachers skip over the part of actually teaching the baby steps of a framework to their students. Instead, they just tell their students, okay, you need to have evidence. Don't forget to include it and then explain your thinking. But what happens when they do that or when you do that? Don't students just throw a quote from the text in the middle of a paragraph? You have no idea where that quote is from, who said that quote, what it has to do with anything. It almost makes you just like pause as the reader and you're like, wait, what? What did I just read? What's going on? It's abrupt. It's confusing. And then students writing doesn't flow. And then your grading takes hours longer than it needs to. And you find yourself writing the same comments over and over on their essays. Where is this quote from? Explain your thinking. So this is a huge problem. Students just taking quotes from their text, dropping it into their essays. And that's what this strategy we're sharing with today, that's what it's going to help you solve. Yeah. And in the AB writing program, we share how to ensure well-focused and analytical writing from all of your students, whether they are your struggling writers, right? With just struggling write sentences, or they're ready to tackle analysis of more difficult texts. It all stems from moving, uh, from using a proven framework as the foundation. And with our EB teachers, we call that the EBW approach. So if we, you hear us say the EBW approach as we're talking right now, that's what we're referring to. And inside the EBW approach, there are 10 steps that we teach to the writing framework. And when you and your students master all 10 of those steps, you start to see huge results. Like it starts to make sense to you. And while we're not going to share all of the 10 steps right now, because that would totally overwhelm you, that would take forever. We are going to share with you one of our favorites and that is step number six. And it's one that you can start using like tomorrow with your students and you will start to see results. You'll start to see things change and you'll start to see progress, right? It's like that quick win that you're like, oh, okay, I got this. We all need like a quick win sometimes, you know, to be able to to buy in and like move forward with it. Um, And with this step, you'll be well on your way to really filling in that gap between your struggling students and then your higher level writers. So step six in our EBW approach is called introducing the evidence. And once students master this step, those days of the random quote in the text being just dropped into the middle of the paragraph with no context whatsoever are going to be long gone. So introducing the evidence really means that students are going to use sentence stems. So it's a requirement for us with our EBW approach that students must use the sentence stem in their essay. And then when we do that, when we make it a requirement, they're writing instantly improves. This is even something that we'll assess them on in the rubric, right? And so these magical sentence stems that seem like, oh my gosh, you're going to make the world of difference are really, really simple, like very easy. And we can elevate them too. And we'll talk about that in a sec, but basic, 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 give you some examples. According to the text, mind blown, right? It's like, (laughs) really that simple? Yes. According to the author or the author states, or the name of the character says. And so four simple ones that you can start with, and I'll repeat them all again. According to the text, according to the author, the author states, name of the character says, 
Give those to your students, write them on the board, make them a requirement. And these sentence stems create a natural flow to the essay, and they're alerting the reader that the evidence from the text is about to be shared. And so for your students who struggle with writing a sentence, these stems set them up for success because now all they need to do is choose a, a stem, one of those four, and copy the evidence from the text itself. That's it. Super easy, super straightforward. But sometimes we forget, right? Sometimes it's the simplest things that we forget to share with our students. It is. And it truly is a game changer. And I'm glad you brought that up, that that's what we assess them on. It's one of, you know, the checkpoints in the rubric. Did you include a sentence stem? Did you introduce your text? So it really encourages them to do that all the time. But what about your more advanced writers, right? They can definitely go beyond the text states or the author says or whatever it is. So you can help them become even stronger by having them. What we do is we call it set the scene before their sentence stem. God, there's lots of S's there. So set the scene before the sentence stem. So I'm going to share with you an example of a student using step six of the EBW approach and also setting the scene before including their evidence or a quote from the text. So imagine we have a student, a more advanced writer, and they're writing a response to literature or a text-dependent essay for the book, Charlotte's Web. So here would be an example of part of their body paragraph. When the lamb in the barn teases Wilbur about his bad smell, Charlotte notices his embarrassment and says, let Wilbur alone. He has a perfect right to smell considering his surroundings. You're no bundle of sweet peas yourself. Charlotte shows kindness and defends Wilbur, demonstrating support for her friend. Since she's so kind to him, Wilbur knows he can depend on her to help save him. Now, you might want to pause this and go back and listen to that little example again. And when you do, you'll notice that this higher level student didn't just plop the quote from Charlotte's Web in the middle of a paragraph, leaving the reader wondering, wait, which character said this particular quote? Who said, let Wilbur alone? Nor did they simply write, she says, or Charlotte says. That's pretty basic. That's good. You know, we want that. That's using step six, that sentence stem. No, instead, they set the scene. They gave some context to when this particular piece of dialogue occurred in the novel, and it elevated the writing and helped it flow more naturally. Yeah. And I think too, just as a reminder for those of you listening, you know, I think sometimes we'll be like, well, that's too easy according to the text or according to the author. We want our students to be elevated. And this is a perfect example of where we can meet all of our students, because there are going to be students who who simply aren't at a place yet where they can do the more advanced example like Jessica just talked about, right? They have to start with those. They get to start really with those lower kind of easier sentence stems and then build upon it over time. And so, you know, I hear, and I read sometimes in some Facebook groups, you know, that students just don't know how to write. And I think that a lot of that can be, gets to be our responsibility to teach them and to provide them with like simple tools like this that can make a difference for them in their writing. And then they start to feel confident in themselves. And then it's kind of like with the NyQuil thing, you're telling yourself that you love writing. Eventually students are going to be good at writing if they start to feel and build that confidence within themselves. So even though it seems super simple on the surface, I think these simple things get left in the desk and we forget about them and we forget how important they are. So you can see how providing students with this very clear step number six from the EBW approach 
really helps strengthen their writing, right? We're starting small with our struggling writers with very simple sentence stems. And then we're ultimately taking our students' essays up to the next level with our more advanced writers, which ultimately our struggling writers will be able to get up to, right? So it's time to take action, right? It's great to sit here and listen to this podcast episode, but it's another thing to actually take this idea and put it into action. So we want you to put these sentence stems, those four that I shared with you on your board and make them a requirement for students to include one before every single piece of evidence in their writing. So for your more advanced students, you can require them to quote unquote, set the scene, right? Like Jessica shared in the Charlotte's web example. And we want you to watch how by consistently making students use these stems makes their writing so much better. It fills in the gaps of those essays and that it makes it so much easier for you to grade them as the teacher, right? It's going to make your life so much easier as well. So again, we want to remind you that the EB Writing Program, we are opening the doors to new students, new teachers who are our students, right, of the EB Writing Program um, in July. So you can add your name to the waitlist by going to ebacademics.com forward slash writing waitlist. We also have a little um, three-part video series for you after you sign up for the waitlist. Talks about justification and a few other things as well. It's just super cool. All right, you guys have a wonderful week and we will see you next week on the podcast. Bye, everyone. 